Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. John Bushnell here. Hope you are having a great day, great morning, whatever it is that you listen to this. And we are continuing on with reading through Exodus. And who knows, maybe one day we'll read through the whole Bible. But right now, reading through Exodus, Exodus, we've done Genesis. We've done a few books in the New Testament, like Hebrews. And we did, well, Proverbs. Very brief overflow of flyover of Proverbs. And so here we are in Exodus and going to start off right where we left off the other day with verse 15. And we'll see how far we get. But this is a the continuing on of God leading the people of Israel out of bondage from the Egyptians into the promised land, which will not happen overnight. All right, here we go. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of the fire of of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptians' forces, and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel. And the For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses.
There you go, the end of chapter 14. So a lot here. You know, one of the things that I'm always surprised by, again, in my own heart when I read something like this is, is one, it's it's not a great play-by-play because there's a lot of things going on here that we're not altogether sure. But here's what I think we can be kind of sure of. For instance, the wind dried out or blew back the sea. So you have a river, which means water is coming from one direction, going in the other. Yet they have two walls that they are walking between. And they're walking on dry land. And so I think there's a lot that we assume. For instance, I would assume if the wind was blowing back the river from which, from the direction it was coming, that the other side would just you know, dry up. It wouldn't be a wall. But here it says they walk and there's walls of water on either side. A two, so it's a, it's a little interesting to say the least. So it's not a fast flowing river, but here the water seems to stand still and not flow downstream, therefore maintaining this wall on one side. And of course, the wall coming from the other side doesn't get bigger and bigger because it's like a dam. It's like God is not only drawing up the land for them to walk on, but he's also maintaining the river as it is in that moment. But it's hard for us to know. We weren't there. And secondly, is there are some who have thought, well, this was pretty shallow waters that they crossed across and it wasn't all that wide. But we know that there's well over 2 million, potentially 3 million Israelites that are going to cross the sea. And so this is not going to happen in 10 minutes. And the passage here seems to tell us that it is actually all night long, maybe even into the second night. The second night being the night when Pharaoh's army comes, when the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire open up enough for Pharaoh's army to go after them because that's what God wanted. But the, other, the other thing to recognize from this is when God releases the water onto Pharaoh's army, it's only after he has slowed them down, clogged up their wheels and so now they're bogged down into this, the riverbed, and then the water is released on them. So they are literally paralyzed. And if it was really shallow, then you would assume some of them would live or be able to, you know, stand back up and because it's shallow, right? But no, it's not shallow, it's deep. And they all drown. And it's also possible that this is happening while the others are still actually crossing. So we're not altogether sure that what happened was they all got across, then Pharaoh's army started to cross, and then God closed back the sea. Because even after he says he closed the sea on Pharaoh's army, we see the completion of the Israelites getting across. So it could be read either way. But just for us to recognize that God is not limited by our ability to think through how he, how he deals with nature and the power that he has over all of nature and the power he has even over our own hearts. And so wherever you are today, to know that God is able to move you for us to be a people that cry out to God for mercy and ask God to move in our hearts 
that we would be those worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. So in John chapter 4, it says that God is going to and fro looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. He also says that in Second Chronicles. but Or was it Samuel? Well, Samuel is the one that says it, but I think it's in Second Chronicles. And he's telling Saul that God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth. So God is looking from the Old Testament through the New Testament for those who worship him in spirit and truth. And we, the way we cry out to God, you know, Lord, help me to be that person that worships you in spirit and truth. So help me as I read your word or listen to your word. Help me as I pray to pray in the spirit, to be praying so that I am praying for the things that you want me to pray. And that you are readying my heart and my mind and my soul for what you have for me today. You know, it's when Jesus is telling his disciples that the the fields are ripe, right? Ripe for the harvesting of souls. Uh, but the workers are few. Pray for what? Pray for, to the Lord, pray to the Lord of the harvest for workmen. And then he, you know what he does? He, so they not only do they pray, but then he sends them. So a lot of times when we're praying, Lord, help, you know, we pray for the, Let's use Ukraine right now. Let's pray for the people of Ukraine. Let's pray for peace in that region and for justice and righteousness to rule. That then all of a sudden God may move in you to be a part of that. Whether that's supporting by sending money or going or doing something, right? We need to do something. We can't be silent. We can't just stand by and then not realize that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so... By being true worshipers of God and spirit and truth puts us more in tune and more ready to be used by God. So for Moses and Aaron, God was warming them up. He was getting them in tune and they got in tune. And here in the very end of this incredible wrestling match between Pharaoh and Moses, and as far as Pharaoh's eyes go, but really between God and Pharaoh, that in the end of it, the people of Israel come to this conclusion that our God is great and mighty and greater and mightier than all of Egypt, than all of Egypt. They didn't catch on to that earlier on. It, it was a process. So often when we become born again or we see somebody who becomes born again, and boy, I'm going long today, I apologize. When we see someone who's born again, a lot of times we anticipate them to be where we are, to be wherever it is that you are. But remember where you were when you first got saved. There is a lot you didn't know. There's a lot you still don't know. But now hopefully you know more than you did. And hopefully now you're more capable of responding to God and hearing God and those things as you read God's word, as you pray, as you're a part of a community. So be a part of the community. Be reading God's word every day, maybe even more than once a day. Be meditating on some scripture, one or two verses that you chew on all week long. And be ready for whatever it is that God may be preparing you for. So I hope this helps. God bless you guys. Hope to talk to you soon. Talk to you next time. God bless.